In improvisational theatre, there's an adage that says make your partner look good. In leadership and business relationships, this means you can make personal interactions a win-win situation for both you and your colleagues. Welcome to Partner Up with Amy Carroll. Speaking with guests and listeners like you, Amy uses her wisdom and wit, leading you along the road to success. Now, here's your host, Amy Carroll. Welcome, everyone, to Partner Up with Amy Carroll. As a communication coach, trainer, speaker, and author, I'm delighted to be your host and excited to bring you insights and ideas to help you solve your communication conundrums. This is the 73rd episode of my show, Partner Up with Amy Carroll. I know, right? Not bad. Yeah, yeah. Now, listeners, if you want to find out more about me or what the show's about, feel free to listen to previous episodes on my website, carolcoaching.com. Or go directly to the voiceamerica.com business channel and you can download the app or tune in using your favorite podcast app. If by chance you missed last week's show, I interviewed Nancy Watt. And Nancy is a brilliant pracademic. Pat, isn't that a great expression, pracademic? Yeah. Right. We discussed her use of applied improv and the adaptability quotient and how she uses social experiments that are transforming lives. So be sure to check out that show from January 14th. Now today, you've heard the voice in the background there. My very last weekly radio show guest is none other than my sister, Pat Kirkland. Welcome, Pat. Thank you. I'm delighted to be here. I love working with you. So what listeners you may not know is that Pat was, aside from being my sister, she was my second guest back on September 11th, 2020. And she's the founder of something called the Predator-Prey Partner Model, which I'll talk about shortly in a moment. It's the inspiration of why I do the work I do today. So I'm looking forward to this. So, um, Pat, I'm going to go ahead and give like an overview of this model and then add whatever you want. Yeah? Excellent. Cool. So... These three archetypes, predator, prey, partner. The predator tends to hold too much respect for herself, not enough for others. So if Pat and I are in a disagreement, a predator might sound like this. Pat, Pat, but, but Pat, would you just let me finish? And Pat's like, girlfriend, you better check your attitude. <laughs> so the predator unknowingly through their body language, voice and words, sabotages the relationship, it damages loyalty, trust, safety. The opposite, the prey, and that's spelled P-R-E-Y. The prey is usually a really nice person. And unfortunately, through their body language, voice, and words, they can unknowingly imply that they're subordinate to the other or subservient. So if Pat and I are in that conflict, even if we're colleagues, we're in the same positional power, I could still lower my power by saying this, speaking this way. Pat, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Pat. I know, I know. I'm, but I'm sorry. Could I just explain? Is, 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 Pat, I'm so sorry. <laughs> yeah, as you can see, sorry is a big word for people who go to the extreme of prey. And the reason the, the prey, you would think being nice and likable is really important. And for sure it is, except when we do it to the extreme what happens is that it can unconsciously trigger a predator reaction in other people. So Pat, a very nice person could become a predator towards me because I'm cueing her 
that she has power over me. And all this stuff is happening unconsciously for us. That's the tricky part. And instantly. Yeah, exactly. So the good news is there is an alternative option, and that is partner. And partner is magical because she's holding high respect for the other, high respect for herself simultaneously. So let's rewind that example again. Pat and I are calm. Uh, we're in a conflict. We're colleagues. And as a partner, I might speak to her this way. Right. Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. And Pat, I have one concern I'd like us to look at. So I'm through my body language, voice, words, mostly it's the speed of my voice there and uh, the tone of my voice. I'm communicating all is well. No one's nothing. It, it, nothing's on fire. All, you know, no one's going to die. And I'm holding, continuing to hold high respect for Pat while maintaining high respect for myself. And that's what makes this model so magical. So today, now well, let me actually, before I, I segue into what we're going to talk about today, Pat, what would you add to that description? <laughs> I'm not, I'm taking notes. Your explanation <laughs> is so good. And I thought particularly powerful was the cueing that all is well, no one's going to die because that's the, the, the pressure cooker for social animals is what is this going to cost me? So the predator, I got to protect myself, the prey, oh, I've got to let you know I'm not going to be a challenge to you. And that partner just steps above it. So I am taking notes. <laughs> cool. So, well, in that case, listeners, here's what we're going to do. Today, we're going to talk about one of the most powerful skills for executive presence. And when we say executive presence, we mean mommy presence. We mean um, calling the, the tele communication company to complain about something presence, whenever you have to show up with grace and gravitas, this skill is going to be there for you. And the thing is, it's invisible. And it has to do with how you use your voice. We refer to it as the warm downward inflection, which I just sleep beautifully, I might add. <laughs> All right. So Pat, you know, you and I both know the power of these partner skills and have loads of juicy stories. I'd love to start off with one of your stories. Um, what do you, you have one to kick us off? Well, what triggered it for me was you're talking about that partner is magical. And we're so used to struggling that we can't almost conceive that there could be another way. So I've been, I work with a number of high tech firms and it's a, a really challenging pressure driven environment. So a woman came into our program and picture this, she had a head full of curly hair and she leaned more into the prey behavior. So every time she moved the hair bounced and she was all over the place. It was first like, okay, let's learn how to get still. Let's hold her head up, hold eye contact. So we worked a bunch of skills. And one of the key skills was the downward inflection. So instead of asking for permission, she was letting them know she knew what she was talking about. So I just did a quick demo there. So uh, she tracked me down a couple of months after the program. And she's like, you're not going to believe it. Like, what? What? So she said, I was in a high pressure meeting. There were about 30 people in there. And we were being drilled by our directors on where our projects were. She said, I reported out on 12 of my projects. My manager wasn't there. So the, the director from one of the other areas 
started peppering me with questions about my, my director's project. And I just got to the point where I'm like, I, I'm getting flustered. I don't know. And then she said to herself, today, I will not go pray. So he just laid into her and he said, well, what about blah, blah, blah? And she said, I stood still. I opened my hands to the room. I looked around. And with gravitas, as you say, Amy, and grace in my voice, with a warm downward inflection, I said, my belief is the people in this room can answer that question. And then 30 minutes of hell broke out because all these people are trying to answer this question. Apparently it was unanswerable, mm. right? So the meeting is done, people leave. She thinks it's over. The next day she's in the hallway, finishing a conversation with a colleague and she feels somebody come up to her. Well, she looks over and it's the director. The and guy who had her, been like a predator yes, towards her? Like a predator towards her, yes. Ooh. A predator's predator towards her. Ooh. Like he had the right to treat people this way. Mm -hmm. And that's where we feel, I have no rights if, if I, I, there's no way to fight this person. So she turned towards him and he said in a very somber voice, I want you to know I was up all last night thinking about my behavior. It was totally inappropriate. It will not happen again. And you have my full support. And she just went, thank you. Although she was in shock. I bet she was. Thank you. And I think one of the key things is now she had other, other behaviors working for her. Right. But the invisible power, because what's so powerful about the use of the voice, it's like looking at a, at a violin and you're thinking, well, I don't know the quality of that violin. And we really don't know it until it begins to be played. And you're like, oh my God, it's exquisite. Or, oh, that's a cheap violin or a poor violinist. And so when people experience your voice mm -hmm. and they can tell your insides are matching your outside, mm -hmm. it has extraordinary power because she stood in her power without attacking him. Mm -hmm. And she did it through the warm downward inflection. You said a minute ago, your insides matching your outsides. And I find that sometimes, although that's really nice to have, it's not always the case and we can still be successful without it. Oh, I would, my, let me make that, refine that point a little bit that they think your insides exactly. match Because yeah. no. it may not, you may be, no. oh my God, somebody's gonna die and I think it's gonna be me. Yep. But the power of the skills mapping them in so you can access them, even though it doesn't reflect your state is one of the things that's so powerful about developing partner behaviors. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh, that's now, a just great a little, little aside to this woman because she took mm -hmm. all of this to heart. Oh yes. Mm -hmm. In the next 18 months, she received three promotions and a 17% increase in salary. No. Oh, they recognize. Oh, yes. <laughs> they didn't miss that she had power that others just didn't have. So she yeah. already had the knowledge, the skills, the ability. It was how it was more now how she was projecting herself. Well, she had the capability to do the job. Right. Right. Already. Again, you know, the bouncy with the curls and the constant movement and the upward inflection, that packaging sabotaging her credibility. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And then they witnessed it under fire. <laughs> and yeah. I, I love that inner mantra today. I will not be prey. <laughs> that was, she made a choice that that's what mm. some, uh, what I'm studying talks about adult consciousness. So when we're in predator or prey, we're almost collapsing into the reactive mode and partner keeps us in a responsive mode. So she was, 
to avoid from re being reactive or responsive. Nice. Yeah. I, I want to go back into the model for a minute and ask your opinion about something. I already have an opinion on it, <laughs> though I'd like to see if it matches mine and it might not. So when I talk about predator prey, I say that it's not 50-50, meaning under pressure, what I have found is that people go, there's one that's more dominant than the others. For Can each you, individual? Uh, no, for the human, the go, go, population as a whole, oh, okay. I find that more people go prey than go predator. Now, I, I've made this a caveat. Now I split it up into professional life versus personal life. So in the professional world, what I find is that more people go prey than predator because the ones that can get away with going predator are the ones with the high positional power, like your friend, you, you know, Ginny's boss's boss, you described, because they're protected either by the position or money or something. And I think intuitively, we as human beings know that we, most of us can't get away with going predator in a business situation without the risk of penalty or maybe losing our jobs. What's interesting is we flip that around and we look in the personal world and I say to people, do you think more people go predator or more people go prey in our personal lives? And what I've seen and what people say is more people are going predator. And my theory- The people that, they love. Yeah, funny, right? Because yeah. we can get away with it. Because it's harder for them to get rid of us legally. <laughs> And so before I launch into a response, your question to me then is, does that fit with what you've experienced? So your question is interesting to me because I've actually only thought about it in the business context. Mm. And the business context, I hold in my hand and I say, they're pretty much four prey to one predator. It's like the mm. law of the jungle. If there <laughs> were more predator, we, we would have died out. <clears throat> yeah. What I've been studying though about family systems mm -hmm. <clears throat> is I've had, and it really touches my heart, I've had a number of um, technical people, because again, that's primarily we're working with innovative companies, say, yeah, I get this. I know how to be partner with my, with my peers, with my customers, but I'm, and it saddens me. I'm going predator with my son. Yeah. My wife said, I'm responsible to make sure our son gets into college. And they're like, help me. How, mm -hmm. what? Because they realize it's like this wake up of, oh my God, I know what it's like to experience a predator. We have them in our, <clears throat> in our hierarchy here. I don't want to be that to my son <clears throat> or daughter. So for me, what I would have people think about is in our home life, people tend to, I think there's a stronger pattern to go predator with people they see as, as weaker than them in the right. family lineage. Right. So that's where the, the metal of the person is can you bring partner home? Yeah. Can you develop the skills and speak in a way that you demonstrate respect for the people you love and you're cueing them to respect you? So yeah. I, I don't really know what the numbers are, but I know a lot of people have woken up to the fact that they are predators at home. Yeah. Yeah. And it's such a shock for them. Now, and so here's my recommendation when this happens. Uh, I I have stolen the term from Kristen Pressner. It's called flip it to test it. Have I told you about this? Uh, a little bit, but tell me again. Okay, so uh, Kristen Pressner, she's in HR. She discovered that she is she she was had a 
a bias towards a female colleague, a negative bias. And she was horrified. She said, oh my God, here I am in HR. So she came up with that idea, flip it to test it. And the way I use it is if you imagine Pat um, or, or someone like me, at, you know, as a recovering predator, and I might go predator in a, a situation if I hadn't trained my skills. Um, it, it's weird how miraculously a predator is able to keep their act together when they get stopped by a police officer, for example. Often. Sometimes often. they lose it, but yeah, sometimes they lose they it. They know. Ironically, the hierarchy. yeah, right, exactly. And they know the police officer has more power over them and that they can make their lives miserable. And suddenly, even if it's unreasonable or unfair, we're frustrated, we're going to be late, we can keep our, our act together for the most part. So the idea is that, you know, like I say to someone, if you um, are able to stay partner with your boss, or with a stakeholder, or with a police officer, whoever it is, when you go home, your job is to pretend that that teenager of yours is the police officer, or the boss, or someone who it's easy for you to stay partner with. So you flip it around. I had a friend of mine who said, Amy, I go predator with my son, and I can stay partner with my daughter. So now, when her daughter no, when her son comes to her about something and she can feel herself wanting to go predator, she says, okay, let me pretend this is my daughter. How would I speak to him? And that's it. What so, I love about that last example is that she's doing an exchange at the same level. So yeah, if you were suggesting a lot of people, if I imagine they're my boss, I can hold my tongue with my boss, mm -hmm. uh, but she's exchanging in a way like for like. Yeah. So I have one neighbor who I've absolutely loved for years and years and years. And the new one makes me nuts. Oh, mm -hmm. I can do an exchange, the flipping on those neighbors. And how would I do it over here? And part of what I'm studying now is that's giving the person the capacity to, to not be triggered or run by their emotional reaction, but to come back up into, because partner from our point of view, I think you agree, is a higher level of consciousness. For sure. <clears throat> so it helps restore that with you still being who you are. So what I love in the example with the mother, with the son and the daughter, is she still is staying the parent, but realizing that, oh, can I flip it to uh, apply the same tone, the same facial expressions, the same wording as yeah. I would with my other child. Yeah. And also what I'm hearing is it's helping uh, what you were saying earlier, that partner is responsive and predator prey is reactive. Mm -hmm. So it's giving people a, um, a, a frame, um, a structure to mechanically stay partner. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's toughest under pressure like that when we yeah. feel triggered. Yeah. And the good news is you don't have to feel authentically partner in the beginning. And sometimes you won't, as long as you can mechanically stay calm, cool, and collected externally, that's already a success. So your comment um, is helping me connect that people think it's authentic, inauthentic. And what I'm realizing mm -hmm. is that when we get triggered, we have to manage, we have to do some self-regulation because right now I'm triggered. I'm not in this calm, cool, collected space. Right. So it's, I think it has a lot to do with me managing myself to get back into self-regulation um, that 
as opposed to being inauthentic because it takes, you know, if you're in a pressure situation and you're, you know, it's <laughs> texting, I'm sure this happens all the time. You receive a text and you're like, what, what, what? And then you show it to somebody else and they have no reaction. And then you realize, oh, I flipped. I, I read not into the text. Mm-hmm. <laughs> not is not there. Oh, I lost, you know, I have to re-regulate myself. So, mm-hmm. and that's a skill that people can learn. Yeah. Yeah. And beha- and partner behaviors help you stay in partner even while you've lost some self-regulation. Exactly. That, and that's, that's for me, the powerful. mechanical part. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. You don't have to be authentically feeling it for it to work. No. And, and my sense is gradually you start to realize, oh, I don't have to go there. But right. That's a gradual process. Yeah. So yeah, I have found that sometimes I don't even have a reaction. Not always though. Sometimes. <laughs> so Pat, let's dive into the downward inflection. How would you describe it? What, what is it? So for me, I'm going to do a demo and then I'm going to point to the demo as a way of describing it. Okay. So I, you've invited me onto your show. I come on and I say, Thank you so much for inviting me. I'm delighted to be here. So I'm coming in with some content, which I'll do each time. And this time I did an upward inflection. So the last note is a rising note. My pitch goes higher. We would call that, other people call it upspeak. We refer to it as an upward inflection. Or I could do the cold downward inflection. Thank you for inviting me here. I'm delighted to be here. And you're like, oh, this interview isn't gonna go very well. So I'm doing the downward inflection, the notes going down. Thank you for inviting me here. I'm delighted to be here. But there's no warmth in my voice. Mm-hmm. So what we call the warm downward inflection, thank you so much for inviting me here, Amy. Use your names. Thank you so much for inviting me here. I'm delighted to be here. Yeah, okay. The last one, or the one before the last one, didn't sound as cold as I've heard you deliver in the past. Though compared to just now when you did the warm, that was so much warmer. Yeah. And so now and it was I really interesting for me delivering it to you so we can see each other. And when I did the warm one, you just started to smile. Yeah. I mean, it just activates all sorts of wonderful things. Yeah. So I'll do another example. <clears throat> so, so often we're, in, you know, we come on a Zoom call and we're asked to introduce ourselves. Yeah. That can be a pressure situation for people. What's happening is I want to be well-perceived, so I tend to lean into likability, lean into approachability. Yeah. So I'm going to do the upward inflection, then I'm going to do the cold downward, then I'm going to do the warm downward. So, hi, I'm Pat Kirkland. I'm a director of IT here in Brussels. I have a wonderful group of about 250 people. So kind of a little bit of please like me, please like me, nice enough, right? And we'll hear that a lot, so it feels normal to us. Yeah. The cold downward inflection. Hi, I'm Pat Kirkland. I'm the director of IT here in Brussels. I have a wonderful group of about 250 people. <laughs> and it's like, oh, if you hey, say I so. <laughs> work with her. And then the warm down inflection. Hi, I'm Pat Kirkland. I'm the director of IT here in Brussels. And I have a wonderful group of about 250 people. Yeah. And so it's just that last note, but the facial expression is either relaxed or there's a slight smile, which warms up the voice. It's like yep. playing an instrument. Yeah. So that is the three versions of inflection at the end of the phrase. And so what does the downward inflection do for you? And we may, we'll see how far we get into this answer and we're going to pause for a break in a couple of minutes. Okay. So the effect is how other people perceive you. Right. And they read it as a confident behavior, as uh, credible, 
as certain of what you're saying. Mm -hmm. And so it, it lands that way. It can land that way with a cold downward inflection, but it's also abrupt and can put people off. Mm -hmm. The upward inflection, it's tempting for people because you so come across as a nice person. From our point of view, you sacrifice perceived confidence. So partner is how do you get to that sweet spot where you're cueing, I know what I'm doing, and you're in good hands with me. That's what we want to communicate to people. Yeah. Yeah. When you and I were talking about this recently, you said human cooperation is one of the most complex behavior skills we have. And that the downward inflection is a signaling cue that communicates, like you just said, I know what I'm doing and you're in good hands with me, which what that does is then creates a profound exchange of trust. Right. Because particularly for a leader, people need firm, caring leadership. I need to know you know what you're doing. I need to know I'm going to be safe with you. And the amazing thing is you can say whatever you want, but I'm actually using my DNA from thousands of generations, my mirror neurons to get a sense of, can I trust you or not? Are you competent? Will I be okay? And when that's a yes, yes. Wow. People can do anything together. All right. Well, let's pause this discussion here. We're going to pick it right up where we left off. Um, though we're going to take a break now, listeners. Now you can find out more about Pat and connect with her directly on her website, patkirklandleadership.com. And if you're ready to take your superhero partner powers into the next decade, join me for my online leadership presence course. You can find details on my website, carolcoaching.com. When we come back from the break, we'll be hearing more from Pat. Stay tuned. You're listening to Partner Up with Amy Carroll on the Voice America Business Channel. Do you have colleagues, family members, or neighbors that just drive you crazy sometimes? Do you occasionally find yourself feeling disrespected, mistreated, or annoyed by others? As a no-nonsense communication coach, trainer, speaker, and author, Amy Carroll may have a solution for you. For over 35 years, Amy has studied status and power dynamics, what sabotages relationships, results, and how to get desired outcomes in business and personal interactions. Make Your Partner Look Good is a philosophy from improvisational theatre, as well as Amy's favourite mantra. For the last 20 years, she has been using her superhero powers to inspire individuals and multinationals around the globe to transform their communication and tap into their own partner powers. With concrete behaviour changes in voice, body language, words and attitude, Amy shows clients what to keep and what to change to get more of what you want more often with less hassle. Visit carolcoaching.com today. That's C-A-R-R-O-L-L coaching.com. Partner Up with Amy Carroll focuses on getting more of what you want and need more easily with less difficulty. While this applies to business, it can be used for just about everything, from relationships to leadership. You'll hear stories and tips to uplevel your communication and mindset, to gain confidence and inspire action by making your partner look good, conflicts dissolve, and results improve. Partner Up with Amy Carroll is heard every Friday at 7 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Central European Time on Voice America Business. You are listening to Partner Up with Amy Carroll. We want participation from you. Feel free to send an email to amy at carolcoaching.com. Now, back to Partner Up with Amy Carroll. Here again is Amy. Welcome back. 
My guest today is founder of the Predator Prey Partner Model, Pat Kirkland. She's the executive coach and my sister. We've been discussing one of those, we're just beginning to discuss one of the most powerful skills you can adopt if you want to exude executive presence. And we call it the warm downward inflection. So Pat, where should we pick it up? Do you have another story you want to share well, or do you want to go into? I do, into but I, listening to you, that warm downward inflection, you made a comment in the first segment yeah. around cooperation being the most complex behavior. What we're talking about is a complex behavior. Yeah. It is speaking with certainty and warming it up. If you think about it, they're going in, you're, you're going in opposite directions, but that takes skill, like learning a musical instrument. So we're, you know, let's talk about how can you practice the skill? How can you master it? And then I think your, your question was, when is it important to use? Yes. So <laughs> my little ego, when you asked that question, it said, well, whenever I want to be listened to, mm-hmm. when don't I want to be listened to? Oh, for me, kind of never, but that, you know, the, you keep seeing commercials where, you know, the underlings are making suggestions and it's not until the big boss says the same thing. Well, the big boss is saying in a loud voice with a downward inflection, usually a cold downward inflection. Mm-hmm. And for me, uh, whether I'm commenting in a meeting, sharing a concern, asking for something, I want it to, like you used the word earlier, have some gravitas, but I also want to be graceful in how I do it. What I recommend is when you're practicing, you're practicing at the level 100%. When you practice like that, in reality, you're going to be between 60 and 80%. I'm good with that as a range for effectiveness, that I'm doing it enough so that people know uh, that I know what I'm doing and that I'm teaching them to respect me. So mm-hmm. I just, when it's a warm down reflection, I just don't think you can go wrong with it. Mm-hmm. I, would, I would use it everywhere. Yeah, I, I'm lean towards more like majority of time, I have a tendency to aim for 85% of time. I'm using the downward inflection. If I'm, if I have in front of me a predator or someone who's just gotten an Hmm. edge, then I'm using it a hundred percent of the time in that exchange still with the warm, because my feeling is if I've got a strong predator in front of me, they will they'll use any excuse to attack. So I want to highlight what you're saying and why I think it's important because they're in reactive mode, not responsive mode. Right. And it actually is going to take them a little bit of time to process where you're coming from. Right. One downward inflection is not enough. They have to see and witness the consistency of your stance. Again, that you said it earlier, that all is well, nobody has to die here. And they have to figure that out. So that level of consistency is really powerful. Pat, did I ever send you a, an audio file, or I think you can find it on YouTube, of a, um, a, a young Irish girl, I think she's about eight years old, and she calls in the, for, uh, to a demolition company and essentially asks them to destroy her school. Does that ring a bell? Oh, no. No, I'm thinking it's, about there was another little girl who's like four. Okay. This is, <laughs> believe it or not, it's hilarious. Now she has such a strong Irish accent that it's not, not everyone's going to be able to capture it though. She's very matter of fact, short sentences, downward inflection. The guy who runs the demolition company, he's borderline predator. He, he, or, you know, he's very impatient. And as long as she's using the downward inflection, he behaves himself. 
And the two times that she does an upward inflection, he snaps. Oh, wow. It's that fast. Wow. Yeah. Oh, that's remarkable. Yeah. Yeah, So listeners, it's such an age difference. That's remarkable also. Yeah. Uh, Listeners, if you go to YouTube and you search, you know, Irish girl demolition of school, you might find it. (laughs) It's pretty funny. Oh, that's worth checking out. Yeah. So, um, so we talked, we talked about when it's important to use it. And I think it's also important that people, let's talk about, before we talk about the how to master it, um, some of the resistance that people have, what has been your experience? Well, I keep, I keep thinking in terms of analogy of learning to play a musical instrument. When you first pick that instrument up, you're not skilled, you're awkward, you sound awful, and people are like, why are you bothering? Well, the first stage of learning to do the warm downward inflection is learning to do the downward inflection, being able to recognize it and then being able to do it fairly consistently. It has a robotic feeling. It has a harsh feeling. Mm. It feels rude. It feels like, oh my God, I'm going to start a fight now. Mm. Would you pass the butter? It's just like, fine, give her the butter versus would you pass the butter? Well, that seems fine. So it's getting through that awkward stage um, is part of it. Uh, It's also, and I read this recently, it takes courage to reclaim one's power. And so one of the things that I recommend people do is work with somebody who you know you can get a good read from that you can trust. Mm-hmm. And when you start doing it, ask them, does this sound aggressive? Yeah. And the odds are they're going to, once you get it warm, they're yeah. going to say, no, it sounds fine. So it's a little bit of being able to work through the discomfort. I remember, oh God, oh my God. So I've been working on developing assertiveness since I was in my early 20s. The first time I ever did it, I was reading a book. Don't say yes when you want to say no. And they gave you a series of exercises to practice with. I thought, let me start with 10. Oh, no. Seven. Mm -mm. Four. I had to start at one. And one was scary for me. And Mm -hmm. the, the practice was to question the amount of change somebody gave you. Wow. So here I am. And, you know, I didn't have much money. Uh, I was just starting out my career and I thought, well, I go to McDonald's. I could always go to another McDonald's if I really (laughs) blow this. So I go in, I get my filet of fish and fries on a Friday. That was always my go-to. And I remember going, oh my God, oh my God, I'm going to do it. And I I lifted my eyes and she, the woman put the change in my hand and I just touched the coins and I looked up again. I said, I'm sorry. I don't think you gave me the correct change. And I just waited to be killed Right. And she looked at my hand. She goes, oh, I shorted you a penny. And I'm like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. It took so much courage to do that small thing. But yeah. the deal is it was more painful for me to stay the prey than begin to become the partner. So and, it takes courage. That's gorgeous. It, yeah. Because what we're having to work through is that inner concern of not being liked. Yeah, that, that it feels, there we go. It feels like we're going to sacrifice that. And that's yeah. why we're very specific about this is a warm downward inflection. Yeah. That when you're doing just the downward inflection, you are, you are in private, you are practicing it. You're using your phone to listen to yourself. Yeah. It doesn't go in public until it's warm. <laughs> yeah. And a couple other things, um, the, and the 
step even before, I don't know if it's before, I think people have, it's what boggles many people's minds is they can't hear it at first mm-hmm. in themselves. So when I'm doing a training and I'm coaching someone on the inflection, if I'm then coaching a second person, I'll say to that first person, hey, listen carefully because this will help you to start hearing it. So hearing it in other people is useful. And then we can start to hear it in ourselves. And as you said, using the smartphone to audio record and then listen back. And a fun way to test this out is to take famous movie lines. Okay. So the most famous one of all is my name is Bond, James Bond. And everybody was like, yeah, so what? And I'm like, no, he's using a downward inflection. That's right. Now it's not a warm downward inflection, but he's Bond, right? And then you try to do the opposite. My name is Bond. James Bond. And it's like, that's ridiculous. Yeah. He wouldn't make it through the first scene in the movie. Right. And then you'll see when you ask people to say their name, my name is Pat Kirkland. And then you Mm -hmm. ask the other person, Amy, would you say Pat's name? Amy will say Pat Kirkland. Yeah. There's just no extra energy. Like you're saying around, I want to be liked. Yeah. So it's, it's a great way of starting to, because what you're doing is you're feeling the music in the voice. So that's why it's invisible. Yeah. So I think people have to be really willing to um, stick with it because it's, there's a tipping point at which they can start to hear it and then start to control it. And so, what, you, what you said that um, when you're doing it robotically, mechanically, that the, that doesn't, it may not first include that warmth. So it will feel like you're being rude or aggressive because that warmth is missing. So that's very useful to understand. Because you're working the mechanics in the beginning. Right. So, so here's something that clicked for me early on. I was like, doctors ask questions with the downward inflection. Yeah. Has this happened to you before? Does it happen after every full meal? And nurses, they come in usually first. Does this happen to you after every meal? Does it... And their questions have an upward inflection. The doctors have a downward inflection. And I'm looking around. I'm like, do they teach this in medical school? (laughs) I don't think so. So how does this happen? And then I realized, oh, we know what doctors sound like. We know what nurses sound like. So if I'm a new doctor and I got the lab coat on, I got to cue people, cueing them. You said that earlier, that I am the doctor. And the thing about it, the doctor, it's almost like a funnel, just answer this question versus tell me everything about your diet. So what I did for myself was I decided I am just going to practice the warm downward inflection on my questions. Uh And you figure every day we're asking people questions like, Amy, I love those flowers. What kind are they? And then I'm Mm -hmm. listening. Did I go, what kind are they up? Or did I go, what kind are they down? Mm -hmm. And then I start to listen because nobody else is paying attention and I'm actually interested in your flowers. So that's how I kept the practice ongoing and in a way private to me. And then I just checked each time, where is it? And it's very much like an athlete where let's say if it's your um, soccer, how close am I getting to the goal? Am I getting in the goal? Can I be running at a high speed and get into the goal? Can I have somebody chase me and get it in the goal? And you're the only one in a way who's keeping score, but it's a terrific, in a way, weightlifting exercise for that yeah. skill. Um, a couple of things I've noticed is that it can be so powerful that people who know you really well will notice the difference. Mm-hmm. So perhaps practicing with strangers as you went to McDonald's and did your practice right. there. Right. Um, 
And I like that idea of practicing on questions. That's brilliant. Um, because it's so the question is an upward inflection. That's how we cue a question. So the brilliance of it is you have to go to the opposite. So it's like, instead of going to a question or a comma, you're going to a period each time. Yeah. So, and has been, if the sentence is phrased in such a way, what or how or who, you know, so it's it's clear that it's a question. If I say to you, mm -hmm. Pat, it's raining outside. Well, that's a, it starts as a statement though, because my voice goes up the end, you know, I'm asking. If I say to you, mm -hmm. Pat, it's raining outside and you say, oh, really? I don't have my umbrella. You know, so it it's, as long as the sentence construction is obviously a question, then it'll still work effectively. Because a lot of people say, well, shouldn't a question naturally go up? So in all the time that I've been practicing the downward inflection on my questions, I have had one person, our brother Joe, <laughs> look at me like, is that a question? One out of, I mean, the tens of thousands of questions that I've been practicing on. And I, I listened to how I asked and I went, yeah, that one was confusing. I'm willing to have one confusion for 10,000 practices. <laughs> yeah, good sign. So um, let's talk about, oh, we've been talking about practicing. I don't know if there's more you want yes, to add to that. Is. I will say my formula for my coaches is any of the behaviors that we work on practice three to five minutes a day in low stress situations. Okay. What What's different add? about the question is that you actually have, it's like a five second practice, but it's happening multiple times throughout the day. So pretty much yeah, all the other behaviors, it's three to five minutes a day. Mm. But this one, it's, it is actually exhausting to, when you're new to it, to try to stick the landing is one way one of my team members, Lucy, refers to it. You know, you're doing a pole vault and ah, yes, um, it is exhausting for the brain to remap this. So these very short, specific, consistent practices lay in that new groundwork. So that's the only one that I do differently. Nice. Oh, the, so cool. the other, you were alluding to it, is practicing with your phone number. So I'm in the States. So my phone number is downward inflection, 512 downward inflection, 231 downward inflection, 1380. So you learn short pauses, downward inflection, another short, short pause. And it starts to become a rhythm. Um, the other, let me see, let me look, look at my notes. Um, is that introduction that I was sharing. So what are the three statements about me that I can learn to do as a phrase and not a run-on sentence? Because what people tend to do is they put end. Hi, I'm Pat Kirkland, and I'm the director of IT here in Brussels, and I work with a wonderful group of about 250 people. And you're like, I think she said her name was Pat, because I can't absorb it. Right. Versus, hi, I'm Pat Kirkland. I'm the director of IT here in Brussels. And I've got a wonderful group of about 250 people. And then all of a sudden, that person is heard, while the other one it more felt like rambling. So we got to go off on a tangent because you're talking about another very powerful skill, okay. which is pausing. Mm -hmm. The power of the pause. Power of the I, did, I don't know if you know this. I did an entire radio uh, interview with Alan Carroll who is not uh -huh. related to us, who knows, who knows we're talking about pausing in silence. And the downward inflection and the pause together are really good buddies. Mm -hmm. Because when 
you force the pause, it's sometimes easier to do downward inflection because your brain knows that it's as if you're finished your thought. Yes. Or if you do the downward inflection, holding a pause is easier because your brain's not as panicked to keep talking. So I like to uh, marry those skills together. And that to me is a little bit where we go from mechanics to the music. Like all of a sudden, oh, I'm playing the notes, but now I can hear the song. Mm-hmm. So I think the pausing helps turn it into music. Mm-hmm. Very cool. So I don't know if you feel like uh, you want to add more to how to master it. Do you feel complete with what we talked um, about? Let me think for a moment. Might be time for a story. Oh my God. Why is it worth going through this? Because this is the tough, one of the tougher ones. Again, it creates some discomfort. How am I going to be received by people? So I'm at a conference a number of years ago. Now we're going to be talking about another sibling of ours, <laughs> Regina. I'm at a conference a number of years ago, and this woman comes up to me. So I've already done the presentation, and she is just like at her wit's end. And she said, I have two sons at home. One is eight, and one is nine, and they are fighting continually, and I can't get them to stop, right? And I get, oh, this mom's close to the edge. So I lean over, and my sister, Regina, who's familiar with the model, was there. And I go, uh, Regina, we got a mom here. Can you help? So and Regina goes, being oh. a mom. Regina, thank you. Regina being a mom. So Regina starts explaining the downward inflection to her. She has her practice. Knowing what it is doesn't matter. You have to be able to own this skill, right? right? So a week, one week later, talk about motivation. She sends me a one-line email. Peace has returned to my home. Because she was either pleading with them as a prey, yelling at them as a predator, and couldn't see any other, right? Mm -hmm. So now she's, she's there. So the story doesn't end there. Three years later, I'm doing another conference, same company. And here's this woman in the front row and she's just beaming the whole time. And I happen to tell this story about the mother um, because particularly for, this was a group of women in leadership. This is a key skill. You know, I don't have to become heavy handed. I just need to speak with a sense of authority. Right. With certainty. Uh, so, so I told the story and she came up to me and, and she looked like she lived in a spa. <laughs> completely relaxed, not a wrinkle on her face. And she extended her hand and she said, hi, how are you? And she said it in a way like she knew me. Mm-hmm. I'm like, bad. She goes, you don't recognize me, do you? And I'm like, no. And she goes, I'm that mother. And I'm like, I mean, the stress level, this thing oh, wow. changed her life. So instead of her boys having, you know, a, a doormat of a mother or a Shrew as a mother, she, because she was committed to another way, she mapped that puppy in. So yeah. it was extraordinary. And again, it goes back to your earlier point around, you know, in business, maybe four prey to one predator, but at home, a lot of people swing. Yeah. We don't want to do that to people that we love. She didn't want to, but she was, she had a house that was out of control. Mm-hmm. She's got it handled now. Yeah. So yes. And I remember a story you told me many years ago, uh, not nearly as powerful as that, though, nonetheless, it paid off. Um, correct me if I got the story wrong. You did, we're doing a two-day training. The one, you, teach the, you taught the downward inflection on day one. Day two, the mm-hmm. woman comes back. She says, oh my God, that downward inflection thing is so powerful. You had said, tell me. And apparently she said, well, my son, Johnny, has a habit of going and doing uh, after dinner, instead of doing his homework, he will go and watch TV. And we have an agreement that he's supposed to do his homework. So last night I was in the kitchen and I heard the TV on and 
I knew Johnny hadn't done his homework. So I called his name. I said, Johnny, I didn't get a response. So I called again, this time louder, Johnny. And then she said, I remembered the downward inflection. And I said, Johnny, yes, mom. (laughs) Just like that. Yep, just like that. And that story reminds me of another story. So I'm working with a male engineer. We work the downward inflection. Again, it's torturous for everybody. This is a very difficult skill. He goes home, two-day program. His wife, who is home with their relatively newborn, you know, nine-month-old or something, takes the baby and puts in his arms and goes, you deal with them. I've had it today, right? Because the kid's been crying and crying and crying. So the husband takes the baby into the baby's room and he doesn't know what else to do. So he starts speaking to him in a downward inflection because I, <laughs> I asked them to practice. He goes, how was your day? You, you sound like you're upset. And he's each time, did I go up or did I go down? And he keeps doing this. And five minutes later, the baby's quiet as can be. And the wife comes in. What did you do? How did you? And he goes, I was doing the downward inflection. And she goes, what? What the hell is that? The deal is it's so soothing. It's a leadership behavior. Yeah. Because it's like, I know what I'm doing and you're in good hands with me. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's a great story. Um, I... Have I may have told the story on other uh, radio discussions and interviews, though it is certainly appropriate for what we're talking about today. And you know the story. I was giving a workshop in Zurich many years ago, pre-COVID, face-to-face. And just before the workshop started, a woman, it was like an evening 90-minute <laughs> keynote. She runs in with her little fluffy dog. She says, I'm so sorry. I didn't have time to go home. Can I you know, bring my dog to the workshop? I said, sure, no problem. I start the workshop and I do my introduction of the predator-prey partner model. I demo the predator with downward inflection. And then I demo the prey with upward inflection. Introduce myself. Hi, good evening. My name is Amy Carroll. That dog started growling. <laughs> and we we were speechless. We all were just shocked looking at the dog thinking it it really it goes beneath species. So listeners, I don't think that um we can under oh no, what is it? over emphasize how powerful this skill is. So Pat, I suggest that we move into our wrap up and you have one call for action and I have at least one call for action. What's yours? So my call for action is that we practice this. Yeah. And that I say, start out having fun. Take movie lines that, you know, you had me, you had me at hello. <laughs> you had me at hello. No, you had me at hello. And just have some fun with it. You can handle the truth. Train your, and you know, with other people, they love to, you Right. You can't handle the truth. Right. (laughs) Um, And then try the questions, like purposefully ask somebody questions like, wow, I love your earrings. Where did you get them? Yeah, that was a downward inflection. Where did you get them? That went up or do a tag on around here or someplace else. So that to me, I want you to own this skill. (laughs) And what I'd like listeners to do is to check out your short, powerful video that you made called the voice of a certainty. And that's a bit.ly link, folks. So that's bit.ly forward slash voice of certainty. 
or you can go directly to Pat's website and reach her there, patkirklandleadership.com. And my second call for action is to be sure to find my podcast channel, Amy Carroll Coaching on either SoundCloud, Spotify, iTunes, and keep up with the latest news on my website. Also, write to me and let me know how the insights from these radio shows and talks and discussions and stories have impacted your life. I'd love to hear them. You can drop me an email at amy at carolcoaching.com. And that's two R's and two L's. Then a shout out finally to my team, my amazing uh, team at Carol Communication Coaching. T, Ivana, Kim, you are just a rock star of a team. Thank you. Pat, what about you? What about your team? My team helps me think. We help, we all help evolve this model. So we've got Lucy, we've got Danny, Rahel, Daniela, and Dirk, and my coaches, Scott, Karen, and Nicole. They're all phenomenal. And they practice this. They yeah. They bring it into the world in who they are. So I love yeah. them all dearly. So you can connect with Pat. Again, I want to mention her work, her website, patkirklandleadership.com. And her tagline is moving humanity one step forward. You can also find her on LinkedIn. Pat, any special projects coming up? Uh, yes, I'm actually working at the, you know, particularly the when you ask that question about I'm so uncomfortable doing the downward inflection. I'm working on what do we need to do on the inside to help those behaviors show up on the outside. Cool. And finally, listeners, look out for my audiobook coming in spring 2022, The Ego Tangle, which will be available on audio and Amazon. Check out my website for more information, carolcoaching.com. Feel free to connect with me on my social media channels, Amy Carol Coaching. And if you're game for more, I'm going to be hopping over to Facebook Live five minutes past the hour for a short chat on today's last radio show. Thank you, Pat. This has been a wonderful conversation. It was fun. Thanks, Amy. And thank you, listeners. You've been listening to Partner Up with Amy Carroll on the Voice America Business Channel. And a big shout out to Voice America team. You guys have been rock stars as well. Really Thank you for everything and happy partnering, everyone. Thank you for tuning in to Partner Up with Amy Carroll. Join Amy for another edition next Friday at 7 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Central European Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Until we speak again, make it a great week. And remember, make your partner look good.